Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Ashish, welcome to the show. Good evening. It's uh, I know it's a little later over there in Helsinki. Uh, good evening. Welcome. Good evening and thank you for having me. You know, uh, as we get to look at your product, the, the 3D printing world is really revolutionizing the way that we look at structures, right? Uh, to be a lot more efficient and start to really look at the ideas behind it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's one of the leading edges of development in the, in, in the uh, in construction world. So how did you how did you get into it? Well, uh, as you know, my background is in architecture. So after I finished my master's in architecture, I was given an opportunity to do research in 3D printing. And that was almost a decade ago. So I started doing research in 3D printing. I also got, the, uh, got a PhD in the same topic. But because my background in architecture, I always wanted to print something which is larger, not to print like prototypes out of uh, 3D printed steel or 3D printed plastic. But uh, going back to my background in architecture, I always wanted to make impact at a larger scale. And as an architect, I always believe that uh, technology influences the way we build. And that is very important. And that's why I wanted to use this my knowledge of 3D printing and bring that to architecture and construction world uh, so we could make an impact. You know, that's that's where they start from, right? You, uh, you you come from one part of the world. And I, I think that's what's happening right now is that there are so many new, new, new minds that are coming to the construction world and looking at things differently, right? Uh, today, uh, it doesn't have to be what my grandfather did. Back then, they, they carried heavy things over, they banged on them, and that was construction. Today, we're thinking about method, means and methods a lot differently. We're looking at material sciences much, much differently. You know, these are these are really starting to you know, bring us to places that we could not even have imagined uh, back back when my grandfather was doing this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, both in case of like how architecture is produced. So before that, we used to make drawings, right? We used to make drawings by hand on a drafting table. And then those drawings used to go on site. And then somebody used to look at those drawings and build structures based on the drawings. Now we do also drawings digitally uh, in a BIM program or AutoCAD. And because of 3D printing, we also have an opportunity to build digitally, right? Using the digital fabrication techniques. So we use the digital knowledge to design, but we also can use digital knowledge to build. So that is what is interesting and that is what is changing. So digital knowledge, digital making was already there of drawings. But digital making of structures is new. You know, as, as an architect, many times you were constrained by a kit of parts that you knew, right? So if I knew metal studs and drywall and and then and, and this this kit of parts and, and conduit and piping and and if you were in Europe, you you had uh, a, a different type of construction. They were bricks and blocks and a different methodology of doing it. And both had their benefits and both had their drawbacks. But today we can see technologies from around the world and uh, with the way that shipping and moving and the way the world is operating, either a, we can mimic stuff that's from, you know, we find a, a technology or use somewhere else in the world and bring it to our, our construction projects, or we can transport them over. But our, the toolbox is starting to get much, much larger, 
right? We can start to pull, um, you know, ideas and method methodologies from, from across the world. And I think that's what's really going to be fun, right? As, as we start to really push, you know, where an architect can really be an architect and coming up with some very creative uh, designs like never before by pulling from an endless box of tools to use, right? And I think that uh, in itself gets makes the business a lot more inspiring and it has architects really do what they've always wanted to do, right? They've always wanted to be able to create these, you know, beautiful designs, but oftentimes with this small kit of parts, you know, they kind of look very similar to the other ones, right? Because of the materials and methods. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, this is uh, like, I would not say as a limitation per se, but as you said, that there was a specific type of kit of parts were available, right? There is a specific type of I-beam, specific sizes of windows, uh, specific sizes of tiles, which are available in the market. And then that dictates the way you design, right? So like the spans are dictated by the type of I-beams or the sizes of I-beams which you have. The openings are dictated by the sizes of the doors and windows you have, or even the size of the toilet is dictated by the size of the tiles, right? Uh, now this digital technologies, or, or as you said, that uh, availability of this kind of new kits around the world what this allows you to do is that you can think a little bit freely beyond those kit of parts, uh, beyond those uh, what that kit of part brings. Uh, so the imagination can actually flow uh, better, so to speak. So you're not limited by the kit of parts which are available. You know, so some of the things I saw with you guys that, that's really unique, you know, as, as you look at uh, 3D printing, right? I, I was looking on your website and checking out, uh, you know, a, a light base, a light pole base, I think you were building, or a sign base. And, uh, you know, what was neat is in the design itself, a pole base now has a design, right? Now, all of a sudden, not, not only is it more efficient, right? It's got a, a, a stronger uh, profile. It's got a, all, all kinds of neat components to it. It uses less materials, you know, which ultimately is less weight. It's, it's, you have the ability to design this ahead of time and bring them out pre-manufactured. You know, it's got all kinds of neat stuff there and all the material sciences that you guys are coming up with. I think those are all phenomenal spaces, but it also looks pretty, right? I'm, I'm looking at a, at a sign base that's actually not just this concrete, you know, uh, you know, uh, tube. Now it's got a kind of a neat design to it. It's kind of, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I think that's a, another spot to look at in the structural components that we need to make it functional, there's some beauty in that. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, my co-founder Henry, who's a structural engineer, who actually designed that uh, foundation for substation, would agree, because uh, you know, like uh, load paths when you design any kind of structure, the load paths flow in a certain direction, right? And then because of limitations of uh, method methodology which we had before, so in, in that in that case, concrete is always used as dead weight. So you just like make a box, you pour a bunch of concrete, you use most of the structure in the concrete is used as weight, as dead load. And it's a very expensive uh, weight, uh, so to speak, in terms of carbon. But what 3D printing allows you to do is uh, design the structure based on the load path. So you can like really, really optimize the structure. So this foundation case, which you talked about again, 75% uh, less material. So like you also need to excavate less soil. You can also put the soil which you excavated before back. Uh, and that also acts as a structure to hold that foundation down. And it performs uh, structurally three times better uh, than the cube, which uses four times more material. So there is like a win-win situation here. 
and the material science point of view also where we used a lot of supplementary cementitious materials to replace the cement which was used so the carbon footprint of that foundation is multiple times less than the carbon footprint of a typical foundation there is the inspiration right i've lowered the carbon footprint i've reused existing materials i'm not going and digging a hole taking all that material out carting it someplace else and I've got a much more structurally sound uh, product. To talk, let's talk a little bit about where you are in the development of it. So stage of the development right now is uh, we have developed the material, we have developed the, the design, and we have actually printed that design and tested that design. So then when you talked about now the scale, right? So if you want to make hundreds of them or thousands of them, like what does it cost? So right now, when you make one, of course, it costs more than compared to like if you just make one cube of cast. But uh, at a certain number, let's let's say in this case of foundation, at a certain number, it starts to become profitable. And at a certain number, it starts to make business sense in terms of like, this will be cheaper and faster than the traditional method. So this is where we are. So right now we are at a stage where we want to scale up and prove that at scale, this works. As a business, at scale, it works. It's cheaper and it's faster. Of course, at this scale, it's not. But we have proven that it works structurally, so that's that's already done. Now it's time to go to scale. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting about your group was that you take this machine on the road, right? You you take this product, so you actually take the the plant and move it to wherever wherever it wants to go. So that that's an interesting way of looking at it, right? To be able to take uh, the 3D printer out to uh, out to a group of projects and then use that at the group of projects rather than uh, uh, you know, making all the materials, making all the products somewhere else, and it's shipping them. You're shipping the plant out there, and then now you could do that. Uh, you know, if you're you're in a housing project or a housing program or a shopping center, now you can move the plant to the shopping center, and you know, get ahead of all the items that you're going to need. That that seems like a smarter, uh, a smart way of doing it. Tell me about that. How did you guys come up with that idea? Yeah, so thank you for the question. Uh, that we call this uh, small plant as a micro factory. So it's a 3D printing micro factory which travels. So uh, again, to going back to the point of scale, so only at certain scale it makes sense uh, to take the micro factory on site and to do actually the production on site. So the, in the foundation case, the foundation was made for a substation for a wind turbine. So each substation uh, wind turbine unit has a substation which has, let's say, 50 foundations. So the idea there was that you go from one side, you print those 50 foundations, you move the micro factory to the next side, and then you print those foundations. So one company in one small country could have 10 sites a year. So this will be a traveling factory which will just go from site to site, and it will be printing this uh, defined type of foundations because substations are going to be similar the load cases will be similar maybe the soil condition might differ but there might uh, there is this also the parametric possibility of changing the tweaking the design per site uh, depending on the soil condition structural needs so that's the, that's the idea but like it has to make uh, sense in scale um, below certain scale we will still have to produce it uh, somewhere else and then ship but then again, we have to calculate the carbon footprint of that and like also the cost benefit of that. So yeah, at, at a certain scale, it makes sense. But we, we like to go to that scale where the micro factory makes sense. You know, making sense or not making sense, that's going to, that will continuously evolve, right? As an entrepreneur, I have said a thousand times that most of the businesses that I've created 
you know, you're, you're building a plane while it's flying. You know, that's what it feels like. You're, 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 it's, it's never quite, I, I never have the plane exactly figured out. I never had the, the company quite figured out. So we, as, as we talk about it, as we evolve it, the formula that I use for, for everything that I do is it's always about expand and then organize, right? So you expand an idea and then you organize it. But right between the two of those conversations is confusing as hell, right? There's a lot of stuff that goes on as an entrepreneur. How am I going to pay my bills? What about my rent? What about the electric bill? What about, you know, I, I, you got day-to-day stuff. What do you, my kids want to go to college. I got, you know, I got bills to pay and I have got this great idea, right? And as I, as I expand on the great idea, you know, the world comes up against you, right? The world's coming up and you're like, all right, I've got to figure out how to solve, raise money. So you've got an idea. You engage your partner with, with the structural components of it. At the same time, you're out there raising money and raising funds to make the company grow. And at the same time, you're growing the company. Talk a little bit about that. What's, what's been your experience as you go through the development of uh, not just the 3D printing, but the company? There are uh, so many hats you have to wear. As an entrepreneur, right? Uh, you have to also think about the design of the website, from the design of the website to who's gonna clean the floor, right? <laughs> so, like, you have to wear all the hats, and you have to actually, in in the beginning, at least, you have to always uh, play all these roles. And uh, what to do first? So, this is something which we learned as a team uh, is to prioritize, right? So, what is the priority? Priority number one priority number two, and then you go and do those tasks uh, based on the priority and what is more important for the company at this point in time. And uh, at the same time, we have to create this kind of company culture, which we are still developing, which we are all, all, uh, all of us who are in the company are new to this kind of a startup environment. So we're trying to build up this company culture. And then as the team grows, it's very important to have that company culture and to transfer that company culture. And this same as the same also the company vision, right? So we are trying to see like all the employees who are joining the company also share the same vision, the same passion and uh, the same company culture. And this is something which we are developing right now are in the process. And as you said, that uh, it's going to be an ongoing process. Uh, it's going to evolve over time. Uh, we are going to make mistakes. Uh, we are going to learn from those mistakes. But we are learning. But in, in, a, in a startup environment, you have to learn fast. Uh, and have to fail fast and get up fast and go back and like do that thing, like repeat it fast. So this is what we are doing at this point. And we're expanding. So right now we have a team of nine. Uh, within next year, uh, this team might expand threefold because we are getting a lot of projects. You know, this morning I was meeting with the VP of operations for one of the companies I have. And, and it was scheduled for one-on-one right before this meeting. And, uh, you know, he said to me, he goes, look, I'd meet with you today, but the problem I'm having is the phone lines at our company aren't working. I'm going to go, for, I'm going to go work on the phone lines. Now that's exactly what happened. You, you get a VP of a company who the most important thing he has to do today is make sure the phones are ringing. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're you know, and that's, that's exactly what happens. You're, you're flying, you're working. And then I, you know, so they, they walked in this morning, something happened with, with one of the phone systems and they're not ringing. So that means the estimating team's not getting their calls. It means the accounting department's not getting their calls. And without that, it kind of puts people dead in the water, uh, you know, and, and now all of a sudden you've got a VP. So who's got to switch on the fly, right? You got to be flexible. You got to be, you got to be willing to know what's the priority, right? And then, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to roll your sleeves up 
and you got a VP working on a phone system, right? And that's 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 the vision, right? The vision is, hey, whatever it takes to move this company forward today, right? That relentless behavior that everything matters and I'm moving it forward. As you expand and organize, that you learn along the way. You're, you're learning while you're flying, right? Yeah, uh, that is true. And uh, <clears throat> what is also important is uh, delegate and ask for help. So if you are not able to do something, if you do not have time to do something, then what we have learned is to delegate the task to somebody else who would be able to do it, uh, somebody else who might be better uh, at it, uh, doing it, or uh, ask for help when you need actually help and not to get overburdened and like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do everything. So, like one person cannot do everything. So you have to learn how to delegate and ask help and ask consultants uh, if you if you if you are new to the topic you need to get help from outside so this is also very important to know like and to understand in the startup culture that we try to do everything and in many times this is this is gonna uh, this end up into people burning out so as you're developing the company and, and uh, you've got uh, how, how long have you guys been around so we have been around now almost one and a half years nice uh, one, one and a half years yes Nice. And, uh, you know, so that's a, that's a neat spot to be in and the partners that you've got that are in the, that put this together with you guys. Uh, you know, uh, it sounds like one of your, one of your founders is a, um, engineer. Yeah. So, uh, I'm an architect, uh, one of our founder, co-founder Henry is a structural engineer. Uh, so he comes from the structural engineering background. I come from architecture background. Then we have a co-founder who is a mechanical engineer. And then there is another co-founder who is, uh, from the side of business. So that means like we cover almost every aspect of it. Uh, and then like, as we know now that we need more people with different expertise, like a material scientist. So this is going to be our next hire, for example. Right now I'm wearing the hat of material scientist, but uh, this is not my, my, not my expertise or speciality. So we would rather get like a material scientist who's an expert in the field. So do you think that uh, starting your business in the middle of a pandemic, was it a blessing for you? Give you guys a chance to slow down and really kind of look at the business? To be honest, uh, the pandemic had uh, almost no impact on our business. Uh, so we were not affected by the pandemic at all. We thought because of pandemic, the construction business will slow down. But at the, in the beginning, we were only doing all the testing. We were doing pilot projects and those were still going on. Uh, also, Finland was not that affected by pandemic. Uh, there was, uh, I think, very few months, everything was completely shut down. But uh, we didn't have any kind of curfews or nothing was like the shops were always open. So that's how we, we at least uh, as our business didn't get affected by the pandemic. Uh, also, the growth didn't get affected by the pandemic. So, um, so now you, you started really getting into all the testing of it, right? And you're growing all the testing, figuring all the other parts and pieces out. Uh, what's some of the, what, what's some of the neatest things you've you've seen since you know stuff you didn't expect when you when you started it? Now, what what's what what are you seeing that you did not see then? Well, uh, one thing was very interesting, and this is something also like I was very surprised. Uh, uh, was the material science. So we didn't have any material science background. I didn't know anything about concrete uh, before getting into it. Like I have, I'm an architect. I have designed buildings which are built out of concrete, but as a material, I had no idea. And then I had to learn everything from scratch, like what concrete is, what is the chemistry, what ingredients are. And we were able to make a recipe which was 3D printable and which is performing structurally at was supposed to perform. So that was one thing which was, uh, I was surprised uh, at that. 
then the second thing which we were surprised, which is specifically about 3D printing, is uh, that in 3D printing, as you know, that you print layer by layer, right? Uh, so every uh, the first question which always a client asks is that, uh, is it going to be stronger or would have the same strength as the concrete it was casted? So what we did also in the company is that we didn't have money to buy a compression testing machine. So we built our own compression testing machine uh, and we casted cubes. We tested the cubes. Uh, we also 3D printed a big slab and we water jet cut cubes out of it. And what we realized is that like, the 3D printed cubes had more compressive strength than the casted cubes. And that was very surprising to us. And that is still surprising to many of our clients. So what we did is like we replicated those tests and did that uh, those tests again in a university lab just to confirm because uh, we didn't trust our own compression testing machine. So like, okay, like we need to confirm these results. We need to do it in a lab and see. And then the lab confirmed the result and we were completely surprised uh, by those results. And now we decided to buy a compression testing machine ourselves. I just got to know, was the first compression machine uh, your car? Did you guys like drive over something? <laughs> no, 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 it was a hydraulic jack based compression testing machine where you have to like uh, hydraulically push it one one stroke at a time. <laughs> that's the best, right? That's that's that here. That that's what people don't hear is that we had to make our own compression machine, right? We we literally didn't have the tools and stuff that we needed and we had to go out and we had to improvise and it wasn't perfect and we had to and, but but we learned, right? And that's 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 the beauty of of kind of the MacGyvering of a business, right? The the part where you have to, you know, take two sticks and rub them together to make a fire. You know, as you get smarter and get more organized, now you get, you know, the, the, the parts and pieces that you need. But when you first started, you don't have that. You don't have that, that those dollars to do that. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's amazing. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the uh, printer itself. I want, I want to kind of break that down so the audience can really understand how the, a 3, 3D printer works. Yeah, so <clears throat> I can start with like the mechanical components, right? So the mechanical components, the first component is the movement, right? The printer itself. So it could be a gantry printer or it could be a robotic arm based printer. So we have chosen, uh, we have chosen in the beginning, the robotic arm printer. So that's the mechanical part of it. So that's what takes care of the movement. Uh, then the second one is the pumping of the material. So then you need to have a mixer, which mixes the dry mix material together with water. And then it pumps the material to the robotic arm, which is moving and creating those shapes. So that's the second component, the mechanical component. The third component is the nozzle or the extruder, which actually regulates the flow of the material uh, at the nozzle and how the material gets deposited. So those are the mechanical components of the system. Then there is a material component where you have to design the material so it hardens very fast. So in two minutes, the material has to harden. Otherwise, you couldn't put like layer on top of each other. So the setting time is uh, the setting window of the material is very short. So that's another component of the system. And the third one is the software. So the software which converts uh, your load paths or which converts your 3D geometry into the movement of the mechanical system. So that's something which we are also working on. So you put a 3D geometry and it converts into a 3D printable geometry and then it prints that out. So those are all components together creates this kind of a micro factory, uh, which then can be transported to one from one side to another side. You know, that, that's that's amazing, right? So as, as you start to look at uh, 
the develop of each one of these components, right? As you look at uh, uh, the, 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 the system, the, the machine itself, the arm, the distance of the arm, being able to look at uh, this in each component. You know, what's fun about that is that as you grow as a company and you are adaptable to every, every one of the sites that you go to, you know, there, there'll be different sites, arms, different uh, heights of, that you can go to, different size platforms. You know, the the material sciences part of that that really starts to kick in as you start to look at how do I take resources from a local market? So I can take, you know, uh, materials that are available there on site or materials and, and uh, you know, put that into, into my mix design. Uh, you know, as you start to really look at each part of that, you know, having an arm that's adaptable, right? Having a nozzle that's adaptable having the material sciences that's adaptable. You know, that's where uh, the, the speed, you know, right now you're in development of it, but the speed to market, once, once those all get start to work out and you start to identify, okay, great, we can go to look at this site. Well, here's, here's how we ad- attack that. And all those things are getting worked out while you're developing the company, right? As, as, you're, as you're looking at the company, as you're developing them, every time you go to do a new, new setup, every time you come up to a new idea, every, you know, every one of these is a new thought that breaks another boundary but then ultimately solves a much bigger picture, right? Uh, being able to take this machine out to a location, you know, somewhere in the future, being able to take this thing and take the materials that are available, either A, on site, uh, or B, very close to the local market and make take material sciences, you know, all of a sudden lowers the amount of cost that it takes. Uh, and that's where you can't see it completely yet, but you can see it about to happen, right? You can start to see how uh, your material sciences breakthrough in this environment, uh, different size nozzles will will be able to, uh, you know, change the loads differently, different designs, right? Every one of these components is solving uh, for the immediate project, but also solves it for a much, much bigger picture, which uh, is, it's hard to notice how big that picture is at, at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. So right now, what we're trying to do is like establish that value chain or supply chain, so to speak. As you as you rightly said, uh, the environment uh, plays a plays a role both in terms of design. So the soil condition, the temperature uh, plays a role in the design, but it also plays in the role of uh, the raw materials and the ingredients because the recipe has to change. Uh, the recipe also has uh, uh, has to adapt to the local material. So most of our clients are not in Finland. So we had to actually check uh, wherever our clients are. Can we get those four materials which we can get here? What are the cost of those materials? Who is actually going to provide those materials? So just to give in one, uh, one example. So uh, we're talking about one project in Mexico. So we could actually get the same kind of chemical composition of the materials which we can get in Finland, we can get in Mexico. But of course, those materials are much, much cheaper. Uh, the same goes for, uh, we also did this exercise for Egypt, uh, for a project in Egypt. And then the materials, we could get very similar materials like raw materials to make the mix. We could get them also in Egypt, but the materials were three times cheaper than here. So like that, type of supply chain, value chain, you know, we are trying to establish uh, wherever we are getting inquiries from the client. So we're trying to establish this value chain to see in from the business point of view, does it make sense uh, to use the 3D printing technology in that particular environment or in that particular country? You know, you you keep breaking through these different components. You know, uh, you got uh, noticed as the startup of the year for, two, for 2021. I thought for uh, the N1 uh, EU EU uh, uh, startup of the year, uh, pretty that's a pretty awesome award. Yeah, yeah. the The award also was 
even on the basis of the sustainability goal. So we were the startup which was uh, achieving the highest sustainability goal within Europe. So this competition started as at the country level. Then from the country level, we went to the EU level. And then, then there was a final. So there was like many, many rounds which we had to go through in order to reach the final. And uh, yeah, I was very surprised that we won that time. But uh, yeah, it was a good surprise. That's awesome, right? Just to get noticed, right? Every time you get noticed uh, for an achievement, you know, sometimes people don't realize how solitary it feels to be an entrepreneur, right? Sometimes you don't get noticed and you're working your ass off. I, what I know about entrepreneurs, what I know about them is they work their asses off. They're continuously moving and trying to move their their products forward, or their ideas forward, trying to create the idea. And uh, to take a minute and have someone appreciate the work you're doing uh, from a sustainability point of view uh, really starts to look at it. You know, uh, it's got to feel good, right? You know, you got to be able to go home back to your family and go, look, hey, look what I got. I got, a, I got this one. So uh, every once in a while, getting those are, are pretty awesome. I saw that uh, you guys are working with uh, Catapult. Yes. Nice. So Catapult is one of our investors, Catapult Climate. And with investors, are they bringing other support to you uh, in developing your company? Yeah, so uh, Catapult Climate had the accelerator program. So it's an accelerator program where they provide support uh, in the growth of the company, in the hiring strategy, the business plan. So they help you all along the way. Uh, plus, uh, there is also financial incentive. So they put in certain amount of money so we could actually support ourselves. Uh, uh, and then they also introduce us like to a lot of different companies, a lot of different customers. So... Uh, and also to create the network. So this 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 was a very valuable uh, uh, accelerator which we were in. And now we are in the second accelerator called Agri Lab based in London. So through them also we are meeting a lot of customers, like a lot of potential customers, and also trying to establish the network within within the UK. You know that's that's an awesome spot to be in. You know uh, we can't do it alone. It, it's. Uh... It's a little hard to, to, to you know, move forward. You need those accelerators that can, one, bring, bring and inspire some relationships, sometimes things you can't see. You know, oftentimes I say uh, when you're stuck, uh, when, you're, when you're stuck in a business world, you got to get out and you got to see something different, right? So, you know, what, what I know about entrepreneurs are, you know, uh, sometimes that we're heads down and we're running, 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 and we get to a stuck part point and we need to get our heads up and get the creative juices flowing again, right? Get the relationships going, have some other, you know, uh, you know, get, get with catapult. Now all of a sudden they inspire you with some relationships. Now all of a sudden they've got some customers and relationships. You can get to another customer goes, Hey, can you make these bases for me? Or, Hey, can you make these, uh, make this design for me? And you're like, huh, find relationships that pull you forward, right? The places that where you're, you know, someone asks you to do something, you're probably not even qualified to do, but you're like, at the entrepreneur and you're like, I'm going to go figure that out. And it pulls you into it. So that's a, it's a great spot to be in. Uh, really, really kudos to you and your team and what you're up to. I, uh, I, I, it's inspiring. You, you're breaking through some amazing stuff in the 3D printing world. As you continue to break through these spots, please, I ask you to come in and show off your wares. Continue as you have a new breakthrough. Please come back to the show. Let us show the world what you're doing. You are up to some amazing stuff. And you and your entire team is uh, doing great things. So, um, you know, Rush, I I hope that uh, I I continue to shine a light on on what, uh, uh, you know, the, the entire team is doing. Yes, thank you for your time and thank you for having me and to have this kind of like open conversation. Uh, and we'd love to come back. 
Thanks again. I'm uh, I'm grateful. All right. If people want to get a hold of you, where do they get a hold of you? If they want to come join your team or they want to come and invest in you, if they if they want to bring you on board or where can they get a hold of you? Well, they can get a hold of us through all the social media platform which we are on. We are very active and also through our website. Uh, there is also get in touch form on the website. So you could just uh, contact through the website. Thank you very much for all of your time. And we will make sure that uh, uh, they get to your website. And uh, I am grateful again. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montegi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.